0: Hey Jackson. This is a surprise.
1: <laughs> little surprise.
0: Surprise stop-in. Got a text from Jackson in
1: the middle of the day. <laughs> Said he's got a load. Let's record tonight. Gotta take advantage of every single opportunity. Everyone. You know how like like bird watching types and stuff, they like to they carry their bird book with them everywhere. And like they're just ready at any moment to turn every little opportunity into. Like a bird watching experience. They got, you know, the glove box of every vehicle. They got it. That's kind of how I'm starting to feel with this podcast thing. It's like any little moment, it's like, oh, let's go.
0: <laughs> and it's kind of working. You're here, you but you forgot the SD cards for the camera. <laughs> I did. So I did. Add that to the bird watching book. If yeah. I come off a little bit tired, I am um, the Twins have decided that 3 a.m. is the new wake-up call, so we've been doing 3 a.m. wake-up calls for oh man about a week.
1: I'm I'm serious. There is nothing worse for me. I can't do it. I cannot get up early and function. I can drive all night. I can drive till 5 a.m. Take a two-hour nap till the sun comes up and roll all day long. But I can't like get up early. Like for example, if we have a load that's like two hours away from home. I'll be like, well, I'm, I'm going to head over the night before, and I'm going to go sleep over there. I'll leave home, at, you know, after the kids go to bed, whatever. I'll I'll drive across, and a lot of my my guys are like, no, it's only two hours away. I'll just get up early and drive over there. I'm like, we got to be there like at seven. Like, yeah, I get up at four thirty, and I'm like, oh, no, no, why would you do that? <laughs> so I can feel your pain because I I have a hard time. I'm a night guy, stay up all night, but to get up early and start my day. So, we are recording before
0: our previous episode has been released, which will be released. So, we're recording on what's the date today? It's
1: a Monday. You can give up the secret. It's Monday the 14th,
0: Monday the 14th. Yep. So, in a couple of days we'll be releasing a, an episode which everyone should have heard by now, you yep. about my dental hygienist that I worked with in the prison. So I'm curious to see what people think or heard of her story.
1: I know. And so far we've had feedback. I think the <laughs> I think the the main feedback we've had was a lot of, what's the emoji? Like the vomit face emoji where that's just like the little <laughs> yellow guy like vomiting. I can't believe how bad the Pez dispenser analogy messed with people. Like a lot of comments, people going, even Matt, once he's editing the YouTube, he's like, I had to stop. I was eating. And I was like, oh, oh. It just ruined my whole, ruined my meal, ruined my night. I couldn't, I couldn't go on. Oh man. But I wonder if you're going to have any, like, do you remember on Breaking Bad when Walter White ends up like naked in the desert and has to like walk in from way out? I can't remember how he ended up stuck out in the desert. Some nefarious drug thing went bad and he ends up in the, the the convenience store with no clothes on. Oh yeah. And he has to figure out a way to like explain this. And his explanation is a fugue state. Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah. The fugue state? Yep. So I have moments when when I've been trucking hard and and like someone will call and it's usually somebody from home or another like a very awake active trucker that's trying like they're making a good effort to try to keep me like alert and like I want to call Jax and really razz him up and get him going and so they start asking you questions and pretty soon you're just like and your mind just goes (laughs) and just totally fuzzes out and I'm like hey I I really appreciate you trying to like boost me and get me going but it's just making it worse I can't you're like shutting what little brain power I have left you're burning it up (laughs) so I wonder if we're going to run into any little fugue state moments. Mid conversation where you just kind of trail off.
0: <laughs> oh, we'll see. So, I, I had a patient today in the office who was talking about getting most of his dental work done in Mexico.
1: Oh, like it's his active plan. Well, no, or he had. A, he had. Oh, okay. So, you got to inspect some of that?
0: I've seen some interesting dental work done from Mexico and from some other countries. But I've also seen some interesting dental work done in the United States. <laughs> so <laughs> anyone who is game planning the, the trip to Mexico for dental work, way cheaper.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Talk about this. because Way I, I've cheaper.
0: This, yeah. I mean, not even comparable. Just, way cheaper. Mm-hmm. And I've seen some excellent, excellent work from Mexico that would rival the best work that I've seen in the United States. Some great stuff. Okay. And I've seen some horrendous stuff as well.
1: Do you tell them that it's horrendous? You like that trip you made to save money? I don't. Well, or do you just kind of let it go and take care?
0: I don't really say bad choice. I just say, well, we've got some problems. Here's what's going on. My dental school was in Arizona and we would have, we'd have a lot of people come into the dental school to get work done. So we were down in in the the Mesa area, you know, the greater Phoenix area, which is a, a lot of retirees who have all the time in the world. When you go to have your dental work done at a dental school, I don't know, three or four times longer than an appointment at a private office because they're learning every step almost from saying hello to the patient you say hello, then go get your instructor to come check and make sure you said hello correctly.
1: <laughs> okay. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's like everything.
0: Maybe not quite that intense, but it, it feels like it gives like, you an idea. <laughs> every little thing you do, you have to go get an instructor to come check and make sure it's done right. So your appointments for everything at dental school are much longer. But it's also much cheaper at the dental school. And so a lot of these retirees, snowbirds living down there would would come in to the dental school. And a lot of them had at some point crossed the border and had dental work done in Mexico because it's way cheaper.
1: And the the irony real quick to this, what I'm seeing already, just my little two cents, is that if they're snowbirding and they have like winter homes and summer homes, probably have just all the money that they would ever need. And yet they're crossing the border and using the dental school. Got it. So
0: saw some good work saw some really really bad work but like i say in the united states i've seen really good work and i've seen really really bad work here was the thing that made me really kind of recoil with what happened well what can potentially happen in mexico This <laughs> uh-huh. uh, i had a guy come into dental school who was recounting his experience and he said that he had gone on had some work done and he knew Almost immediately, that it some big problems with it, and so he said he went back the next day to where he had the work done and started complaining and just said, "We have no idea who you are. We've never we have literally have no idea who you are. We've never seen you before." (laughs) He proceeded to explain that you do know because I was just here yesterday. I said, "No, we don't. Sorry, (laughs) wrong place." And he he maybe goes, you know, I started to get a little bit animated mm-hmm. and a little bit more outspoken in my displeasure. And he goes, the next thing I knew, I was handcuffed by the Mexican police being what? taken out of the building. <laughs> so he had raised a little bit of a ruckus and they just called the police and you go to a Mexican prison. If they're like the movies. <laughs> <laughs> right. But I don't know that. Oh, man. American complaining of his dental work being tossed into a Mexican prison so he he said he quickly backed down and apologized profusely and said yeah I must have been at a different building and he headed just headed back to the United States to the dental school
1: that sounds like something would be in a movie like you went down next thing you know you're like seven years later rotting in a Mexican prison cell
0: yeah so anyone who's contemplating going to Mexico for dental work Absolutely do it if you feel that it's for you. <laughs> but get a referral from someone who has been there and had good work done. That's so you can, you can go to the right place because there's good work that's done down there. They have, you know, very modern technology. I mean, they have a lot of they have you go to a good place, you're gonna have have done a work that rivals what's done here and at way cheaper cost.
1: So it kind of brings a new Kind of a fresh reality to the term "as is." All work is final, and as is, like it is. Your records are just put in the shredder after they're done. Like they're you literally. That's it. Second, you walk out. Oh, bye.
0: Yeah, but not unlike our antibiotics growing up, dad. When dad, oh, when right. Rooster would take oh. those loads of bulls down to mm-hmm. Nogales, Mexico. That's right. He would always come back with two things. It's
1: Two things. yeah, I remember.
0: One of them was these, uh, these rings. They're these, these guys, they're the guys on the street that would just cut, cut your name into a ring. Yeah. So dad would always bring home rings with our names cut into them. (laughs) Yep. And then uh, boxes of, of, uh, powdered amoxicillin (laughs) because it was so cheap. It was so
1: cheap. And you could, he would, you just go down. I, I remember asking him like, Hey, how'd you, like, how'd you make this connection? Oh, I don't know. I just kind of heard about it, so I went wandering around. You got to imagine an old rooster wandering around the streets of Nogales, just looking for a pharmacy, and then walking in, and all cash. And you could, you could fill a box. You'd fill a box full of amoxicillin, but it was powdered amoxicillin. Uh-huh. Come home and add water. And to add it. water. To
0: it. <laughs> so it's li- it a liquid. It so become that purple or that pink. <laughs> so stuff. we just thought uh, we just self-medicated.
1: Yeah, that was like anything. It's like yeah, just amoxicillin. <laughs> It's like cheaper than cough drops. It's just go get
0: Ew. it. This is by no means <laughs> saying that this is the correct way to on uh, just to it's what do things is what it was.
1: And and you just walk him across the border. I remember the pharmacist handwriting a note, just basically saying, hey, It's cool. He's fine. Let him go. <laughs> and just walk across on foot through the little station. Hey, yep. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) But that's what it was. Yeah. Do you remember the vanilla as well?
0: That was, I was just going to add the third thing was Mm -hmm. these odd, like this pure vanilla that were in giant bottles. Yeah. Like cooking vanilla.
1: Yeah. And I never, I didn't even understand. I just, I knew it was like a rarity. So being like at school, like, do you guys get your vanilla from Mexico? (laughs) They're probably like, no, like what's vanilla? I'm like, I don't know, but we get ours from Mexico. And our
0: amoxicillin Of all the things that you would, I was <laughs> <I'm laughs> proud. Of all the things you would bring home from a trip to Mexico, amoxicillin mm-hmm. and vanilla, and then rings. Rings
1: with your name on it.
0: Yeah. When I another one in North Dakota, dental done in, in another country, had a girl who was from Idaho had come in and she had a tooth really bothering her. Talking to her, I noticed that she had crowns. On every tooth in her mouth,
1: were I mean, they made out of like Jose Cuervo? But they like, look. They look tops. like <laughs> they look like porcelain crowns. This isn't Mexico. <laughs> this is different. Oh, this okay. is
0: okay. look like they I mean, porcelain crowns, uh-huh. but like you could tell that they were crowns. And then turned out all of the teeth in her mouth had crowns on them. Took an X-ray of the tooth that was problematic, which had an abscess around the roots of the tooth. But I noticed that all of the teeth around. The one, including the one we look on, had root canals on them. So we took x rays of her whole mouth, and every single tooth in her mouth had a root canal then on it and had crowns on them, 100% of her teeth. And she was a younger girl, I would say in her mid 20s. Really? And I I said, Hey, I go, this is, I've never seen this before. Even in dental school, I'd I'd never seen an example of someone that had every.
1: This is like the worst of the worst
0: and she goes oh yeah she goes so she goes i'm married to a to a guy from i can't remember the country it was a former soviet block country mm-hmm. okay somewhere there in eastern europe and she had married a guy from there and she goes yeah i had this tooth that went bad and we went to the dentist here in idaho and he said it would need a root canal and a crown and the cost of it i don't remember the cost but a. Uh, You know, back when this happened, I'm going to say the cost for the root canal and the crown total was probably going to be 2,500 bucks, 2,700 bucks, somewhere in there. Uh And her husband said, no way. He goes, we're going going over to visit my family anyway. We will go to the motherland and we will find the dentist over there. He goes, I know they can do it cheaper over there. Oh no. So I think she just ended up getting on amoxicillin of all things. (laughs) And then they took this trip over to visit his family. And so I went to a dentist there. She said, yeah, they charged me $50 for the root canal on the crown. And my husband said, hey, why don't we just root canal what? all of your teeth and put crowns on it in case you might need that in the future? Like preventative maintenance is what he was thinking? Which. What? That's not even a thing. Not. Mm, it's a thing, but not in this way. <laughs> so and they were rough too oh. rough i mean it was rough it looked like the bad work i'm talking about from mexico and i i didn't have the heart to tell her that she's probably going to be in dentures in a few years so oh man we addressed the tooth that was bothering her and that was it <sighs> but
1: we will fill your teeth
0: with lead so here's the thing that everyone out there should know in the united states if you think you have been treated unfairly or If you feel that there's been something done on you that was incorrect and you're not able to resolve that with your dentist, every state has a state dental board and you can make a, you can file a complaint or a claim with the state dental board. If you think something has been done to you that shouldn't have been done, the state dental board has investigators. They will investigate it. If the investigators deem, yeah, there's something here, then it will be, it will come before the board of the state. And they will they will rule on it and see if, you know, if they think the dentist has done something wrong and then there can be punishments to the dentist hmm. from fines to taking away your license to restricting you that you can't do certain procedures until you take X amount of continuing education.
1: Do you think that Jolins did a, a complaint about her dental activity up at the prison after the riot? no uh,
0: no because the (laughs) dental providers can't complain it's only for it's only for patients so my point in saying this which I think you're missing by the way (laughs) sorry is when you go to another country to have dental work done if you have problems with it you don't have a governing board just know know that yeah Mm -hmm. whereas the United States I don't think a lot of patients in the United States realize they have a I not. Nah, a governing that. board they can report to. I have had a couple times where patients think that I did not do something in their best interest. And I absolutely feel that I do everything in their best interest to my financial detriment. <laughs> Sometimes I even have to tell the person, I'm like, look, this is what you want to do. And it will cost you this many thousands of dollars. This is what I think you should do. And it will cost you this many hundreds of dollars. Do you think I'm, I think I'm steering in a direction. Right. I mean, if we do what you want to do, I'm going to make it, you know, 10 or 20 times more the amount of money off of you. And that usually, they go. that usually stops someone. So they can them. Go, huh. <laughs> but I've had some people who, who just really yeah. thought that I had done something not in their best interest. And, you know, I have the conversation. I always say, look, here is the contact information for the state dental board.
1: Oh, you can just give it out to them.
0: I, I, I tell the patient because I say, look, either you don't understand or you don't agree with what yeah. what we talked about here. And I, I didn't. I don't sneak things on people. Mm-hmm. I mean, we talk about it beforehand, but sometimes you know maybe someone wasn't listening or didn't fully understand, didn't communicate, they didn't understand. I think this only happened twice in my whole career. But I I give them the contact information for the state dental board and say, look, here is your recourse. I'll refund you the cost of what you did. You're still unhappy contact the state dental board. They will come investigate what's been done. They'll listen to your side of things. They'll come in and look at all the x-rays we've taken, look at my treatment plans, look at what we did, and if they deem that I did something inappropriate, there will be recourse against me. Huh. And usually when I when I tell them that, like, "Hey, look, here's the reporting board to report me if you think that." In those two times, it really took them back and they said, "Huh, maybe you're right." <laughs> Maybe I'm right, or maybe he really did what's my business, or what he sincerely thought was to the point that,
1: like you're willing, he's
0: he's willing to put this case before a a panel of dentists. Yeah, who probably will agree that.
1: Did you dig up the number for the Ukrainian dental board (laughs) for this gal? Oh man, huh? That's a good way to do it. That's a good way to approach it. Because then you, I mean, you're showing like, hey, I'm I don't have anything to hide. I got nothing. Yeah,
0: here's you as a patient. Here's your recourse. Here's the state dental board. You you can call them and and start a, a claim or an investigation against huh. me. It's
1: a good way to do business though. Like shame free. Like, Hey, I got, it's all out here.
0: Here you go. Huh. And I will admit I've had odd uh, patients come in for second opinions after something has been done. Again, I really try and do right by people. If we do something and it fails and it doesn't work, you know, within a, a, a reasonable amount of time, I corrected it at no charge or I, I refund it. And I've found that that's not standard, standard practice, but there's been some times where I think it's so egregious what's happening to people who come in for a second opinion. They've already paid thousands of dollars and for me to fix it, it's going to be thousands of dollars. And I say, look, if this is what had happened, I would be replacing it at no charge or redoing it. Mm -hmm. I can't do it at no charge with you coming in for a second opinion. And you're being stonewalled by the front desk at of this office. Just ask the front desk person, say, could you please give me the contact information for the state dental board? Oh. And usually this ah, is because that's smart. this is usually because they're trying to talk to the dentist and the front desk of the dental office is stonewalling and protecting the dentist, not having to deal with the crazy patient. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I just say, hey, just ask whoever's at the front desk, not letting you, you know, not do whatever. Just say, just say this. Say, hey, we just don't seem to be getting any where could you please give me the contact information for the state dental board? I would like to have them take a look at this <laughs> <laughs> I guarantee. You're going to make some that headway pretty it. quick. Yeah. That's smart. Those are some
1: good nuggets for the people, man. Yeah. So good.
0: maybe we should move on to some bigger and better things. We've been having the last week. We week can have some stormy weather. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to tell you my travails in it uh-huh. before you dig into yours. Okay. I hesitate to do this because the spotlight may diminish when it turns to you with how intense mine have been.
1: (laughs) It's all relative.
0: I guess this is more frustration and kind of just shaking my head and can't help but laugh at government. So my dental office is on the main street of of Shoto, Shoto, Montana. In Shoto, Montana, there's one on their main street. There's one stop sign. It's a four-way stop, a blinking light above it. And we're right on the corner there. And where our patients and staff park, there's a parking area right off of the off of the road, and so when they plow, when there's a bunch of snow, they plow. They plow about halfway into the parking spot.
1: Oh, because it's like angle parking. Yeah, yeah. So
0: they plow about halfway into the angle parking, uh-huh. and then they leave a big berm, right? Like right in the middle of all your parking, all the parking. <laughs> And so all day long, you can't park in front of the berm because part of your car is now out in the road. Be out on the road and you can't park all the way in because everyone gets stuck or You'd high center like- on the berm.
1: <laughs> so it's a-, it's a little bit angled down, right? Down into the sidewalk because the road's always crowned.
0: And <laughs> every time we have the snow and this does it, this happens. And this last storm, it was for whatever reason, it was... A higher number than normal people getting stuck, and we're having to all go out and push people out all day
1: long. You need to tell the front desk to stonewall the people that are stuck. Well, <laughs> so but you here's have... the thing: my front desk had gotten stuck like four <laughs> times.
0: So, <laughs> oh man, part of but so so called the city and said, "Hey, could you guys just make one more pass with your with your plow or your tractor, whatever you guys are using to push that snow?" Cause really it's, it's literally one pass and it's about, I don't know, 30 or 40 yards in like not seconds. It's it's only a few parking spots. And the city goes, you know, actually the county is the one who's going to have to do that. Of course. I go, okay. Even though 15 to 20 feet away from that, I'm seeing the city's plow. (laughs) They go, yeah, but that's, you're on the cross street, the street, the city's plowing is a city that cross street is the counties so i said okay so i called the county and i go hey when you guys are plant could you make one more pass and I go oh <laughs> we would love to but that's actually the state highway right oh, there Come on. so that's you're gonna have to talk to the state about that right <laughs> i went, <laughs> said okay i have no idea how to get a hold of someone in the state yeah said you know i said maybe next time i'm having breakfast with the governor i can bring it up with him and <laughs> the county guys like yeah if you can if you can talk to him he probably know who to talk to I, I said i'm like serious i just said the governor they think,
1: didn't catch that they didn't catch
0: i'm like you think that I... so <laughs> <laughs> so anyway the the person at the city Actually talked to their city their city plow guy, and he said, "Yeah, I'll I'll make that pass on there." So it got resolved, but I could not, I couldn't believe that for like, someone, someone was plowing it because it was leaving this berm, right? And the city, the city road from where this berm is, where the city plows, is about twenty feet from where they're they're plowing. Uh-huh. But they couldn't cross over and do this berm because that's how you know, it's the county's it's road. Way, it's like
1: way out of our. The
0: county is doing another road that's just a, I don't know, a hundred yards from this. Yeah. But they couldn't come over and do this either because (laughs) it's the state road. Luckily, the city, the city, oh, did I I
1: just say that? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, the the, fugue fugue state. The fugue. So it's got resolved, but that- uh, I was going to say, if it didn't get resolved, what I would recommend would be to take your skid steer with you to work one day and scoop all the berm up and probably go drop it right out in the middle of that four-way stop <laughs> late at night that would probably get someone's I had attention kind of an idea similar
0: it wasn't to get someone's attention i immediately called my accountant and said can i go build a pole barn
1: and oh, go I'd buy a new going. snow
0: moving equipment <laughs> and a new trailer and ride it all off through my dental office <laughs> because i need snow moving equipment i need a place to store it which of course i can yeah can use my new pole barn to store everything else that needs to be stored, right? He goes. Actually, you can.
1: <laughs> you could do that. He
0: goes. That well, we got a way we can do that. If you're if you're doing that because you can't get the snow removed, you got to remove it. So it will be a legitimate business expense. Dang. So I immediately called the city and said, forget it. You don't need to find anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> but that's when he said, oh yeah,
1: oh, our guy's gonna come do it. But man, you're full of nuggets. You're full of nuggets today. But so
0: that was uh, that was this last last week. Yeah. Huh.
1: Yeah, the snow. It's coming in. <laughs> Dude, it, this is the time of year. Oh, this is the time of year. It has its goods and bads, okay? So, when the snow up in Montana first hits, a funny little phenomenon happens where all of the Midwestern cow trucks that have been out here, we always tease. They're not pillaging our loads because we couldn't, we couldn't cover them all anyway by ourselves. In the fall, there's just too many cattle to move. But while we are you know in the fall run which we're we're starting to wind our way out of but when we're in the middle of the fall run you just see iowa trucks and you know kansas trucks and some nebraska trucks and all these trucks from the midwest just pouring out here and you're like man every truck that leaves here that's that's one more hungry child you know later on (laughs) kind of a thing because they're, they're taking these loads so it's kind of a joke but in all seriousness As soon as the first big, bad storm comes, all of a sudden, they just vanish. You're like, where's all the Iowa guys? And if you guys are out there and you're listening, you know, you can laugh about this because you know, as soon as Montana gets a serious storm, where because all the mountain passes, like they get snow and stuff out there. It's not like they don't get snow, but they don't got all the mountain passes to climb over and the constant chain ups and take your chains off and deal with all of the hectic problems that come from that and we're entering that mode we kind of had our first you know big extended like it's here to stay for a while snowstorms and all of a sudden the phone starts to ring a little more people that you haven't heard from in a while you're like hey seems like last time you called me for a load was uh, hmm, after we had some snow last year and your trucks don't want to come out to Montana anymore is that the is that the deal and they're like well well I made this perfect meme today. Have you ever made a meme? Your own meme? Like you see them all the time, right? You're like, somebody has to make these. So I, I've kind of delved into, dipped my toes in the water of memery. And I made one today that was perfect. And what it was, was, you might, you know, I don't know with Ozzy if you had to deal with, what's the, the Disney movie about the snow princesses? Frozen. Have you had to deal with any Frozen? Nothing. Okay. No. Nope. So there's a scene at the beginning of Frozen where these two sisters, the the younger sister wants to play with the older sister. And so she's like knocking on her bedroom door and she's like, Hey, come out. But the other sister can't come out because she has all these snow powers that are too dangerous for her. If she plays with her sister, she might hurt her sister with her ice power. (laughs) So there's a scene where the young, they want to keep this a secret from the younger sister. So I'm setting this up and I hope this isn't the new comedic low for the episode. I hope it actually lands. (laughs) In your fugue state, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> so, so there's this the scene in the. I feel 13. like you're
0: getting a little. The wheels are starting to come off on your story. No, no, no. Because you're like starting to do hand animations no, and no. and sound I'm, effects. I'm a very
1: animated person. And you're
0: no, you're wrong. And you're stopping to explain that you hope it comes
1: off. You are wrong. All right. So the younger sister's like, "Do you want to build a snowman?" And she has all these ideas and like, "Hey, you should come out and we'll play in the snow, and it'll be so much fun." And after she sings this song, her sister's like, go away. And she's like, okay, fine. And so I, I put in the meme to the music and the song, like Midwestern cattle haulers after the first snowstorm. Or no, I put Montana cow haulers after the first snowstorm talking to the Midwestern guys. It was perfect. I put it up and Instagram took it down in like three seconds for copyright infringement. So it totally <laughs> ruined, totally ruined. But I'll find a way to get it back up. So that's us dealing with, you didn't even, you didn't even give me like a huh. <laughs> I'm going to find a way to get that meme back up. I'm going to send it to you first to screen it. And then <laughs> and then we'll see if it'll make the. So the, the Montana beat.
0: cattle haulers is the younger sister saying, come so, yeah. out and play.
1: Do you want to build a snow? It'll be so fun. Like let's go in
0: the ice and we can play in the snow. And the Midwestern cattle haulers are saying, go away. Yeah. Gotcha.
1: Yeah. They're like, I, we used to be friends and we were best buddies and now we're not. And where are you? I haven't seen you in so long. You're starting to okay. see it. the wheels are... Mm. I'm starting to see. Mm-hmm. I'm starting to see it. This joke didn't need wheels because it's wintertime. So it uses sleigh runners instead. boom. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Nope. <laughs> okay. So anyway, one of the other things that comes along with snow is all this frustration with the road conditions as you've dealt with the berm, which is a serious thing. I know the berm. You probably deal with more stuck vehicles on your berm than I deal with stuck cars on the mountain passes, to be honest with you. <laughs> so it's in, in its own right, it is a, it's, a, it's a serious thing. But I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the frustrations and the problems that we encounter out there because all joking aside now, wintertime does become a very serious situation. I think it's a lot more serious than maybe people realize it is which is often evidenced by, you know, maybe a a car that drove in the ditch that you're, you know, you stop to see if they're okay or whatever. If, you know, there's anything you can do for them if they need to call someone and they get out and they're wearing like basketball shorts and like tennis shoes and just have no coat. And you're like, do you, do you realize though, that if it wasn't the modern age, the way it is, and so many people out and about, you would be at risk of just dying of hypothermia out here tonight nobody stopped so you see that all the time and you realize that it's just something that's not taken as serious as i think it should be maybe i'm overly serious because we're out there like trying to do our profession on the road one of the things that it's where it's most evidenced and this is every year it's like a monthly occurrence there's a stretch of i-80 between salt lake city utah and cheyenne wyoming it's like no man's land like there's probably like seven days out of the year, like in, like in the middle of June, where you're like, oh hey, it's kind of green and sort of pretty out here. You drive by a week later and you're like, oh wait, never mind, it's just. And if you've been across there, you know there's two stretches on I-80 that are like no man's land, <laughs> and it's from from Salt Lake to Reno, and it's from Salt Lake to Cheyenne. It's like these two stretches and Salt Lake's in the middle. Everything else is like, oh. <laughs> anyway, down on this stretch, it's the Salt Lake to Cheyenne stretch. They get some of the most unbelievable wind and weather. It's not usually like insanely cold. So because of that, it kind of, the, the snow usually has a little more moisture in it. And it's not like the real dry, grippy type snow that blows off. It, it's got just enough moisture that it just becomes super, super slick. And then Wyoming is known for its its wind. Just constant wind flows. A lot of cattle trucks get blown over in Wyoming. So, before like the full onset of winter, you know, in the late fall and in the early spring, you have these winds that combine with the snow, create some really adverse conditions. Been in a few of them. Luckily, I've dodged the bulk of I 80s wrath, but you'll see on social media, you'll see on YouTube, these Instagram videos, just these horrible pileups where it's like, I mean, it's like a mile and a half long. You'll see drone footage from the news. And it's just like carnage just stretched out. The day after the storm has cleared and you see this and you're just like, how? How did like 35 semis and, you know, 50 cars all get mashed into this just giant horror show? And I mean, and a lot of it's deadly. A lot of people die, get squished, get pancaked between semis. And it's terrible. And you've seen even like... Uh, have you seen any of these videos? Like, like in ice storms, or good ice storms down South and it's like semis just full on rolling in at like 35, 40 miles an hour and just bam. And then bam, you can just hear these huge crashes, you know, as the videos progress, but uh, nobody ever really talks much about the cause of these. And you're going to be really surprised and disappointed, I think, to realize what usually causes these wrecks. So People get out on these storms, okay, and it's it's nighttime in the winter, it's a lot of darkness hours. We talked about daylight savings, didn't we, before? The dark nights are tough. So, these semis get out on I-80 and it's dark and it's blowing snow and pretty soon their visibility is down to like, you know, just off the front of their hood. Maybe you can see a reflector on the side of the road and then it's gone. And then you see it and it's gone. And... Some of these trucks will get so out of their comfort zone or snow blinded that they'll get slower and slower. And pretty soon they're going down the freeway like at five miles an hour. Now, that stretch of I 80 is like 300 and some miles long. And if you get to a point where you're going five miles an hour, where you're going even 20 miles an hour, you probably shouldn't be on the road. And I don't mean this in the way that like, you can't handle it. Get off the road, rookie. Like, I don't mean it like that. I mean, like there's no point. It's counterproductive. It's one, it's not safe Two, are you're going nowhere. (laughs) Like you're going to just drive and drive and get nowhere. So it's just not productive. You should be off the road. But anyway, these trucks will slow down and even sometimes stop. You wouldn't believe how many of these I-80 pileups start from a semi, just stopping in the road. Like, well, I can't see anymore. I'm going to stop. And I-80 is the most traveled corridor in the United States. It's so busy with trucks. I mean, the whole length of it. And they'll just come to a stop. And then a truck that's, you know, maybe more used to the snow and driving in those conditions will be driving 35. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, here's these blinking lights in their lane. They might try to move, you know, can't get out of the way. Smash. Well, then, of course, it's a chain reaction, right? You know, it's one thing for trucks to be moving, but to be totally stopped in the road. This is what starts these, these reactions. So, in my mind, a lot of these, uh, these pileups could just be avoided if everyone could just take winter a little more seriously and realize, like, okay, it's I eighty, it's this Wyoming stretch. I better get on, and and now with smartphones and computers there's cameras all over the roads you can look at cameras during the daylight hours that are showing you the road there's so much information that you're really not going to get surprised on a haiti like you're gonna know they usually forecast it a couple of days ahead I think number one in the winter time people need to to just think a little ahead and really formulate some some decisions that they need to make in their mind which are what am I hauling like what do I have on my trailer does it have to be where it's going? Do, do I do I really need to push through this blizzard to get where I'm going? Mm, no, because most places you go with freight, you're going to end up sitting there for a couple hours anyway, waiting to get unloaded. And then usually what you unload sits in a warehouse for you know days until it gets distributed. So trucking companies will make drivers feel like you got to go, you got to get through this no matter what. So they feel this pressure, but in reality, I think that they need to, they need to look and go, I, you know, there's an exit ramp every like five miles, the entire length of the United States. So why not just get off and wait it out? I mean, what's the worst that's going to happen? You're not going to get fired. Like your, your dispatcher might raz you and kind of, you know, kind of bust your noggin a little bit, but. If nowadays, if you get fired because you're like, it was unsafe, I feared for my life, which that might sound silly, but it's a real thing. Like you can fear for your life in these snowstorms on I-80. And if you say, hey, I feared for my life, so I pulled over and you get fired for it, like, boom, you get a wrongful termination lawsuit. It's like easy employment law stuff. Probably have Weston talk about that. But you just need to be off the road. And again, I'm not saying that because I'm like, out of the way, peck. You Remember that line from Willow? Yeah. <laughs> it's not for that necessarily. It's just that there's no reason. I mean, if you can only go a few miles an hour, there's just, there's just no point. And then these pileups, the financial ramifications, these are just things no one thinks about. A 30 truck pileup out on I-80 is like millions of dollars of insurance claims. So when insurance companies pay off all these damages and total out all these semis, that cost 160000 hundred and sixty to two hundred thousand dollars. They've got millions of dollars laid out there, and insurance companies—if you didn't know—they recoup their losses by collecting premiums from people from you. <laughs> so, the more of these pileups that occur, the more your insurance rates are going to go up, whether you're involved or not. It all trickles down and becomes part of this thing. That's kind of when you know. It's starting is when you start seeing these pileups. And there was one last week, it was all over social media and it's out and the weather's here. And, and while you're going, just think like if I'm empty, if I don't got a load of cattle on, I'm probably going to pull over. I'm not going to fight through it because why, why would I, it's just, it's not worth it loaded. Well, then you might have to start to evaluate some of your risks, right? Like your cost benefit, like, well, I'm out here in this, I'm going slow, but you can't just pull off and, Park for a day and a half, you know, or a day or whatever and wait for the cows. So just really think about that. Don't get pressured into feeling like you have to be out on the road or that you're some kind of a weenie if you pull over. Yeah, you might get razzed or whatever, but in reality, it's a it's a serious thing. So a a load of
0: live cattle is not something that you can sit on for a day and a half. It wouldn't be. So wouldn't be great. When you pull for UPS. With all of the suburban mom <laughs> Amazon Prime two-day shipping packages mm. on your trailer, which one is more pressure to push through the storm? The load of live cattle, the load of Amazon Prime two-day deliveries <laughs> I, to all, you know, the,
1: these days, all I'm, the
0: moms I'm at say home.
1: The, the Prime moms, yeah. So the, the Amazon packages, there's more pressure to push through. If you pull over, if you, <laughs> if you pull over with a load of Amazon prime stuff on, you better make sure you're in a very remote area where no one can get to you. that'd be your, your best buffer <laughs> from the rage. <laughs> oh, but it's funny you brought that up because I'll, I'll be driving in some storms loaded with cows and I'll pass just a freight truck, like a, like a van trailer and I'm not saying van trailers don't haul important things, but most of what they haul is probably not life or death has to be there. Like things aren't going to suffer and die. If you, you know, delay your deal. And it, and I always just think to myself, I'm like, why are you, what, why are you out here? Like I wouldn't be, if I was driving for a company hauling freight and there's just some death bomb blizzard going on, I'd be like, yeah, see you in the morning. <laughs> like, and same thing in the wind. You go out in this wind and these guys are just like, ah, and these van train. And I'm like, why? Why? <laughs> why are you out here? I, Because I, I seriously, I mean, completely honest, I would not be. I'd be the first guy to be like, I'm going to take a break. Let you guys deal with it. Wait till the sun comes up. Let the, the, the state boys come out. The state boys, you know, not the county or the city, but the state guys. <laughs> come out and get these roads plowed off. Cause another little tip I noticed today, cause the roads getting back here and I'm going to go ahead for, for your guys' sake. And I'm going to, I'm going to tell you that the roads were really horrid uh, getting back here in in places. But I do feel like delivering this podcast is life or death. So I really fought through the ice and the the rage (laughs) to get up here, but something that I noticed another thing, and this is, this is just a little tip. It's kind of like the, outside the country dentistry type stuff. If you're driving down the road and you catch yourself passing semis on bad roads, like you're like, this truck's driving too slow. I'm going to get out and pass him. You are sorely mistaken in your judgment of the roads. I'll tell you, if I was given like, if they're like, all right, you got to drive through this storm. I'm going to give you a choice of any vehicle you want. You can have like an all wheel drive, whatever. You can have a four wheel drive pickup. You can have a loaded semi take your pick and go. I would every single time pick a loaded semi on bad roads over anything else, anything else. But because everything now is all wheel drive and everything's four wheel drive, like everything, you know, it used to be back when we were growing up, it was like four wheel drive stuff was kind of a newer. You know, all the old pickups had four-wheel drive, most of them, but cars and stuff, it was like, no, no, rear-wheel drive cars. And they were terrible on bad roads, but all-wheel drive cars, four-wheel drive pickups give people like the most outrageous sense of security. False sense of security. False sense of security. And you'll see, I mean, you just be on a sheet of ice and you're loaded and you're gripping the road pretty good. And some car comes wheeling out in the passing lane and you're just like. And you're like blowing like whiteout dust, you know, and you're just like, dude, don't, don't, don't. But here they come. And pretty soon they get up there in front of you and they're going, ooh, ooh," and they they get it back together. And like so many times you go down the road, 20, 30 miles, and there they are sitting in the ditch. And you're like, (laughs) (laughs) so just use that as a basic rule of thumb. If you are passing semis in the wintertime, you're going too fast because there's no vehicle that does better. On bad roads than a loaded semi. And it's just because of all the weight pushing down. Like a four wheel drive pickup, that's great to get you out of snow drifts. Driving on like ice and stuff, yeah, it doesn't, your weight doesn't change. Your, the amount of force on the roadway it doesn't change. But the car dealer is probably not going to tell you that. They'll be like, man, four wheel drive out there on the bad roads. Whew. I want to come back to that false sense of security.
0: So if I don't come back to it, bring it back to okay. it. Because you're saying, If you are passing semis in bad roads, you're going way too fast. Right. Now, let's flip that on the other side. Okay. If you have semis coming up on you in bad roads, are you going too slow?
1: Mm -hmm. No, and that's, this is a challenge. This is, there's not really a good answer for this, but this is the challenge. And this happened to me tonight. I was going up. I'm going up. I mean, it's just, the wind's been blowing. It was like 28 degrees, 30 degrees all day today. And the wind was blowing 20 miles an hour. So, the roadways were clear, but the wind would blow snow over and then turn it to pure ice. Well, the wind all kind of shut down tonight. So you can just see the reflection off the ice on the road. And I'm going up, I think what do they call it? Like 8-mile hill or something That's right right the belt and belt. Uh, the hill actually coming from Geyser up
0: into the Belt Canyon. Anyone who's driven in Montana between Geyser this is Highway 87 between Geyser and the other side of belt yeah there's some, <laughs> some stuff it, that goes on crazy i know there's times where i, I go i don't know if in a car or a four-wheel drive truck i go i don't know if i'm gonna make it up this hill
1: yeah yep so here i am and conversely now i just told you that there's no other rig that i would prefer than a loaded semi on bad roads there's no other rig that i would prefer not to be in on bad roads did i say that right than an empty semi because when there's no weight in them, like you have so many tires on the ground with no weight on it, they're like as light as a go-kart as far as touching the roadway, the the amount of weight on the roadway. So you're going along and I mean, you just, you hit the the fuel, you know, the hit the gas and it's like, and you can just feel all your wheels all of a sudden like, whoa, whoa, that and it's the same feeling when you're on like a fair ride and you get the butterflies, just that little, oh, you get that. And that's when, you know, you, we call it breaking loose where you broke loose and you're like, and the second you let off, everything straightens out. So I'm going and from, from geyser, and I don't think a lot of people realize this, but from geyser up till you get to the belt Canyon, it's a hill the whole way. You know, the second half of it's more extreme, but it's a climb all the second you go by the school there. And I can see headlights way up there, but I'm doing pretty good, but I'm empty. And I see headlights and yeah they might get over the hill before i get up there they're three or four miles ahead of me i'm going and going and breaking loose and trying to take advantage of any little bare spots on the road to get my momentum back up and then spinning and i start eating this car up and i'm like oh no like if i slow down i'm done but there's a bunch of traffic coming towards me because people are you know it's pure ice and so this is where you get into where it's like well the car shouldn't be going as fast as me because it's really icy. But it's got to get out of the way or I'm going to get stuck on this hill. So, oh, I'm right at the last little bit when I'm about to back out of it. Traffic clears. And so I move over. And you're trying to get momentum. And you're like, would you just slow down a little slower? Because you're going <laughs> up the hill and you're empty and you and you spin. And they're probably just thinking like, what is this guy doing? Motorists don't realize you know, all the stuff that's going on for a semi, you know, especially when you're empty on these roads and trying to climb hills. Momentum is so important to getting over hills and you lose your momentum. It's like, just forget it, go chain up. Cause like, that's it. And then even on ice, good luck getting started empty. And you're chained up. You just sit there and spin. And you'll move like an inch. You're just digging on the road with your chains and you'll finally get going. But yeah, to your point, should the car speed up, no, cars definitely have to go slower than trucks, but there's these rare moments where you're like, get out of my way, get out of my way. <laughs> and that, that just adds to them. That's just another.
0: All right. So let's sum that up. If you're passing semis on wintry conditions, you're going too fast. Yes. If you have a semi coming up on you, you're not necessarily going too slow, but you may consider Moving to the side to let that semi go by.
1: Give them a little, let them know you're thinking about them. Yep. That you're aware like, mm, this guy, because it, it, it can be a big mess. You, you get shut down on the road in a semi and it's like, now I'm going to be stuck on the road. So you're going to cause, essentially you're going to cause it like a, like a safe pile up, but you're, you're going to stop traffic yeah. and that's what happens. A couple other tips I want to talk about too, and some myths. Hold on before we do that. Yeah. All wheel drive. Vehicles on roads. My,
0: my in-laws came out to visit us from Southern California last oh, week.
1: yeah, You told me right when that storm was blowing in
0: that, and it, the roads were really bad mm-hmm. that people from here driving into great falls said in the morning, some of the worst roads they think they might've ever driven on. <laughs> and I, I offered to come pick them up at the airport and they said, no, we just want to rent a vehicle and, and come out know, we grew up in, You're about, what are we, 30, 30 36 miles to okay. the airport, maybe.
1: So it's an hour drive in the bad roads. So I offered to come pick them up.
0: They turned it down and said, no, we're going to rent a car and drive out. So I said, all right, no one likes unsolicited advice, I'm going to give you unsolicited <laughs> advice. Okay. You guys haven't driven in roads like this in 40 years, you know, from when they were, you know, 18, 19, 20 years old. It's been 40, 50 years, maybe. <laughs> okay you're going to get an all wheel drive vehicle and you're going to be able to take off in it and go around corners in it and it's going to feel great and you're going to think man these vehicles are awesome (laughs) but when you have to stop (laughs) forget about it (laughs) to me that's all these all-wheel drive vehicles they accelerate yeah and they will maneuver very well on icy roads slick roads bad roads and it puts you. It lulls you into this false sense of security that you're good to go. Yeah, but they don't stop <laughs> any better than anything. Ice on ice. Is ice, right? So you you end up going much faster than you should, and if you need to slow down or stop, you, you can't. You end up being lulled into this safety thing, and so you speed up, speed up, speed up, and then you have to stop. Forget about it. To me, that's one of that's the like biggest the- problems with. When we're saying this false sense of security on these vehicles, would you agree with
1: that? Oh, 100%. 100%. Yep. Yeah, and that's, I mean, they're great. It's like, it's great technology. Glad it came out. But people knew when you were in an old rear-wheel drive, it was like, you you better be careful. Well, and also all the
0: electronic sensors on these vehicles, you just, one wheel starts to slip. You know, they pull the power off of it yeah. and to, other, to other wheels. It's all automatic. Yep. Which, again, makes this
1: vehicle accelerate and handle yeah. good because you need yeah you don't even realize this wheel spinning like i was just telling you when your truck breaks loose you're like oh because you feel those all this giant machine shift and you didn't tell it to shift around and it's moving around but in them cars you you don't you don't feel it at all you're right those sensors Com- are just like computers light, take care of all of it try the front one do the back one and it, it's like
0: instantaneous too yeah it's, but with but that doesn't have anything to do with stopping.
1: <laughs> oh, you're so right. So along those same lines, there are some operational things. And this is, if you're not trucking, if you're an old trucker, you're going to nod your head and go, yep. If you are not a trucker, you're going to go, huh, I learned something I didn't know. And if you're a young trucker, please take this to heart. So when the roads start getting, getting icy dicey, cruise control off, Absolutely cannot cannot use your cruise control, and the reason why, if you don't know this, and this isn't this is for cars too, because a lot of people don't know this one cars, and this seems like this is redundant old information, but I can't tell you how many vehicles. I mean, you got to understand, I you, well, I spend like six months of the year driving on these bad roads, to the tune of you know fifteen thousand miles a month probably. So you see a lot of things and vehicles that have gone out of control. After crossing a bridge is one of the most common. And it's a sure sign that they had their cruise control turned on. Because what'll happen is when it's like 30 degrees, the ground is warm. So snow's falling on the road and it melts, right? So it's spraying up water. Well, you get to a bridge, and you may have seen signs that say ice on bridge. This is why. Underneath the bridge, there's no insulation. It's just free hanging out there in the open air. There's air on top of the bridge, there's hair air not hair, but air. <laughs> yeah, I love hair, but underneath the bridge. So because of that, it freezes quick. And so someone will have their cruise control and they're like, man, the roads are wet. It's all good. They'll hit that bridge. And all of a sudden, all that resistance that the engine had to propel the car down the road, all of a sudden that's all gone. Because when they get on that bridge, it's ice, it's just a sheen of ice. And so all of a sudden, and if you've ever had this happen to you, you'll laugh because you know all of a sudden your RPMs go whoo, like it's like car, like red lines before your computer can realize what's going on. And that's all it takes. Your wheels just whoo, they'll rev up to 80 miles an hour. And all of a sudden your car is going, whoa, whoa, whoa. And then from there, you know, say you cross the bridge and you're angled this way. So you're sliding at a 45 down the, the lane and then you hit. The ground again, the insulated ground, which is just wet. And all of a sudden your car goes, whichever direction it's pointing, that's the way it's going to shoot once, once it hits traction. And so it hits and you got to remember the cruise control is still on. So once it hits that, it's still propelling it and you just launch in whatever direction it is that you're, that you're headed. So, and, and so, you know, imagine this now and then imagine it in a semi, it's all the more vital. Roads are bad. You use your foot pedal, and that's how you go down the road. Every time you cross a bridge, you're off the gas. Not only when you cross bridges, but you'll get like slick spots where, for whatever reason, maybe the wind's gusting up over the road, blowing snow. You got to watch for that stuff. And when you see those things coming, you got to just let off. Coast across it. And I don't care if it's a mile. You just coast and ease in. Another place
0: you see that often is trees that block the southern sun. Mm -hmm. So you down the road all yeah. good and then or or under underpasses yeah under underpasses or you know if you go along a bank of trees where the sun they're blocking sun to Man. melt it you'll get those real
1: slick spots and they're just they're just 100 yards long quarter mile long yeah have you ever lost control coasting no no the only time you can still get dicey is if the wind you have a big crosswind you'll be coasting and the wind will still push you and break you loose and that's really scary because they're like i I don't know how to control this. You can't. You just got to hope you'll hit something the edge. dry. Yeah, hit something dry.
0: So, I don't think that I, the times where I, I have felt vehicles lose control on bad roads for me is braking
1: mm-hmm.
0: or accelerating or power to the wheels yeah. of some sort. Exactly. Which is, cruise control maintains power and that's why, you know, you'll, you'll spin out. But if you or hitting, when you see "Watch for ice on bridge," it doesn't say "Put your brakes on" on the bridge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's because that can be just that's as bad. Going to be just as bad yep. potentially as um, being the cruise control. But also, it's very bad for the person behind you <laughs> if your car does happen to stop, and then they, <laughs> right. they have to try and stop if you. So, yep. just simply take your foot off of the gas and yep. coast across the bridge, and the chances of losing control. Almost zero. Almost zero. If yeah. you're coasting across these icy spots, yep. don't brake. Don't accelerate. Yep. Yep.
1: Another, another trucker trick. <laughs> That's great. Another trucker trick is that a lot of times cars will drive in the main, like in their lane, they'll make tracks, right? And those tracks during the daytime will get wet. And then when it gets a little colder, those wet tracks freeze. To the eye, to the, the the average eye, you look at it and go, well, I can see pavement there. So I'm going to drive where I can see pavement. I'm not going to drive where there's white snow on the road, but that can give you problems because that's where it's really slick. So don't ever be afraid to, if you need to, to get traction to move over and drive what's on, on what's actually white. And I had to do this several times today, pulling up some of these hills. If I stayed in the main tracks, just spinning and spinning, you move over and, and cross just over the rumble strip. There's... That snow has grip or nobody's been driving on the shoulder. So the asphalt underneath the snow is still, it's not iced over because what causes ice on the road is cars. Typically it's from cars packing snow down, snow melts, snow freezes, becomes ice, right? So you can actually move over and utilize the shoulder and there's, you know, you kind of look crazy to the people behind you, but it's very, it's really smart. So, so use that to get some grip. And use bare spots if, like if you're if you're having to pull the hill, like this car I was following, I lucked out and just found a couple, a couple bare spots. And they were actually where there was like cuts in the road where it was actually protected from some big berms that, that blocked the wind. And those little stretches were good and grippy. So you'd wah, <laughs> really build it up to try to get another, you know, 10 mile an hour boost and then back onto the ice where you have to kind of feather it and be real be real soft and easy okay and this is this is a trucker
0: myth before you get to that myth yeah this is something i think you posted last year on instagram sometimes you'll you'll have almost just a single tire with somewhere in your lane or even maybe sometimes just outside the white line across the rumble strip of Mm. of pavement where everything else is iced if you can get one half of your vehicle on that little bit of dry pavement even
1: though the rest of it is on ice, what are your chances of losing control then? They're zero, completely zero. And where you'll see this situation the most is it's after a storm where the roads have been snow packed. And let's say it's warmed up a little bit. And for whatever reason, usually one, like you're saying, one single tire track will bear off and appear before anything else. And so wherever that is, whether it's on the shoulder, wherever it is, as long as you are have half of your vehicle on that grip, doesn't matter how much ice is on this other side, that grip's going to hold the car. Now, you can still get stuck if you're trying to go up a hill in a car because it always sends power you know, to whatever's going to the path of least resistance. So if you're parked on something like that, the only wheels that are going to spin is going to be the ones on the ice. So you can get stuck, but as far as going down the highway and you got momentum and you're trying to keep your traction and not, you know, drift around on corners and have issues you're, yeah, you're totally right. It's, you put two, two wheels on that, on that bare spot and you're, you're gold. You can go 80 miles an hour. If you knew that it was going to be bare all the way, way. (laughs) I shouldn't say that, but false sense of security. And then all of a sudden it disappears and you're like, oh oh Oh, and there's nothing worse than that feeling you get this hauling cow sometimes when you get into a corner and you're going just a little too fast and you just go oh 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 oh, oh and you just tighten up in your seat and you're like, ah, and you're so mad at yourself for like being like four miles an hour too fast. And that's all it takes. You're just like, Oh no, 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 no. Okay. And you'll get that sometimes on the, on the snow where I mean everybody, even, even myself, you get caught in a spot where you're like, oh, 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 this is too fast. Like in the all wheel drive when you're like, I got to slow down. You're like, I can't slow down. <laughs> Gonna ride this out.
0: Yeah. All right, trucker myths.
1: Trucker myth is that and, and this comes from manufacturers actually saying jake brakes on the ice on bad roads are a huge no-no. Like, do not use your jake brakes. Do not use them. And I could not, I just completely disagree. Totally disagree. Here's why. What jake brakes do is they they basically retard your engine down so that instead of having big, nice full strokes and running. It is shortening, the, not shortening the stroke, but it's causing more compression in your engine, which slows your transmission down, which in turn slows your wheels down. Okay. So it's a way for your truck to, to brake without touching the brakes. The engine brakes. That's why they call it an engine breaker. A Jake brake. That's a good sound effect, right? It's like people's favorite sound that they associate it with trucks, right? That's what a Jake brake is. So. When you're driving, if you've got like a slight incline, you just turn your jake brake on. This is on normal conditions. Turn your jake brake on when your RPMs are high and it'll, you know, make that noise and it'll slow your truck down. It keeps you from having to push on your foot brake. It saves your brakes, it really helps you slow down. It's a huge aid in, in slowing down. So they say on the ice, well, don't use it because what can happen is what people normally do, they'll rev their engine up. When you're going down a hill, naturally your engine starts revving up, right? Because you're going faster, so your RPMs get higher. Anytime you're driving faster, your RPMs are going higher. So when your RPMs are high, that's when your Jake brake is actually has its 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 most effective, because the engine's really spinning fast, and that's when it's going to make the most noise and be the most violent. So on bad roads, if you hit that Jake brake when your RPMs are up high, and the roads are slick, it'll actually lock your it has the power to lock your wheels up as if you had just slammed on the brakes to lock everything in place. And so because of that, they say, do not use your jake brakes. It's just, it can be very dangerous. And it can be if you don't know this and understand this. So I don't know how I would drive on bad roads without my jake brakes for slowing down and, and just easing into things. When you get on bad weather, your air brakes just become less responsive. So you find yourself pushing harder on your brake pedal. To to stop and whatnot. And what can happen is you can end up pushing really hard on your brakes and all of a sudden, you know, some ice breaks loose or whatever and your brakes grab and you can momentarily lock up your wheels. And trucks all have anti-lock brake systems. So they're designed, you know, if that happens, don't worry, your truck will take care of it. But I prefer to feel what's going on. I like to be connected to the road a little better. So I use my Jake brake, but never when your RPMs are high. So normally, you know, good Jake brake range is going to be from 1,500 RPMs to 1,800 RPMs. That's like, that's a great Jake brake time. You do that on bad roads. You're almost immediately, and you're always using it when you're going down a hill. You're immediately, because of the slickness, going to cause your wheels to start locking up. And you'll, your truck will kick out and you'll, and you'll, you'll break loose. So. If you use your Jake brakes when your RPMs are really low, it doesn't have the effect, but it still does things. And what what it does in the lower RPMs, it's not it's not as violent. So it'll slow you down just a little bit, but nothing like it would on, on dry ground. This will make sense to you guys that drive truck. So use your Jake brakes on bad roads, but never use your Jake brakes over about 1400 RPMs or you're just asking for trouble. So like when I see a car way up there going, oh, I think they're slowing down. I'm uh, I'm not going to be able to hit my brakes. They're going to be sporadic and weird. Hit that. You, you can actually grab a higher gear. So your RPMs go even lower and then hit your Jake brakes. And it'll just easy in real nice. So I think it's a myth that you shouldn't use your Jake brakes with the little asterisk that says when used properly. Like old timer. And Rooster taught me that that was old stuff that you know he taught me from because everything says don't use your jake brakes and he's like oh no 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 you have to use like you'll hate it you have to use your jake brakes but here's how you do it so low rpm jake brakes are your friend on the snow and the ice my advice (laughs) on that (laughs) here we go i don't have well i
0: i saying my advice this is dumb (laughs) i understand where i'm sitting here i'm a dentist
1: <laughs> well this is good because sometimes it that takes an outside eye to spot the obvious don't have hitting the jake brake on icy roads
0: the first time you hit jake brakes to slow down i mean
1: try doing this like practice on good roads practice like, on, what would get, this yep, be like what you pra- talking about <laughs> when you're lower
0: preams practice this on non-icy roads Yep. don't have icy roads the first time you do it i guess that's what i'm saying
1: yep <laughs> Yep. Yep. No, that's that's sound advice. That's sound, even even from a dental perspective. That's that's sound advice. So, and if you guys have some comments, if you have any more tips or tricks on this, comment on them because people read the comments. There's other things that I told Luke when I started. I was like, I'm not. There's gonna be things I I don't think of, or I'll I'll be driving tomorrow on some bad roads and go. Oh, I forgot to. Anyway, if there's things that I've forgotten that some of you old timers or experienced young guys whoever you are with experience, feel free to share that in the comments on the YouTube because everyone can learn and benefit from it. And that's how we all get better by sharing info.
0: I'm going to say something that we said on a, a previous podcast with, I don't know, maybe it was maybe the third or the fourth one when Roos was first on. Uh-huh. This is something that, and I'll say it again for anyone who might just be starting to listen. This is something that, that Roos taught me is there's a point at around 30 to, sometimes 34 degrees where you can be having really wet snow. It's a melting when it hits on the ground and you can't tell if what you're seeing is a wet road or if it's a road that has frozen Mm -hmm. and it looks wet, but it's not. And you you just can't really tell. He said, if you, if you don't know, look particularly at semis and see if there's spray coming up off their wheels.
1: Mm, Like water.
0: Yep. Okay. You know, just the mist blowing mm-hmm. off. And if that's happened, he goes, It's not frozen. You're good to carry on. If the roads look wet and you're having precipitation of some sort right around that freezing mark, but spray's not coming off the wheels, he goes, It's it's not wet. It's dangerous. It's I mean dangerous city. Super
1: dangerous city. Oh, and it's eerie because the noise goes away too. If you're really if you have your window cracked. Spray makes noise, right, hitting your mud flaps and your fenders, and at the same time that that water disappears, you're just rolling down the road, and you're like, "Oh man, I'm going way too fast for this little moment."
0: <laughs> to kind of sum that up, at around 32 degrees, mm-hmm. you know, freezing point, yeah, minus a couple, plus a couple, you'll you'll get times where you're getting precipitation. Sometimes it's freezing rain, sometimes it's just really wet snow but the roads are wet or they look wet and they're frozen. Mm-hmm. The easiest way to tell while you're driving is look at vehicles around you, particularly semis. If you've got a bunch of spray kicking up off the roads, you know, mist and water spraying off their wheels, it's wet. It's not frozen. But as soon as that spray disappears, better coast, <laughs> you better coast. Cause it's, <laughs> it's frozen. It's going to get dangerous. So that's yeah, just, uh, that's something a repeat of something we said previously. Yeah,
1: and I live by that. Like every day I constantly use that. I'm glad you brought that up. So one of the last things here that I'll give you just one last little nugget. This is not ice related. This is a gadget that I encountered this week. Been making the social media rounds, new trucking gadget, a gizmo of sorts. Hmm? Getting excited to know what this is?
0: I'm, I'm getting excited.
1: <laughs> so when we fasten equipment down to our flatbed trailers, you use chains and boomers or chains and binders. Okay. So boomers are old school. They're basically this this lever with hooks on each end. You hook the chain on, and then you, you pull that lever down, lever it around, and it pulls the two hooks together, and that tightens the load. It's one way to fasten. The other way to fasten, the last, I don't know, when they came out, probably 15, 20 years ago, whatever, they reinvented this boomer, and they come up with what they call a binder now. And basically, the binder has two hooks on each end. But instead of using a lever to pull them closer to each other to, to tighten the chains, they screw into a tube. They're threaded and you turn this tube. And as you t- turn the tube, it pulls the, just like a, like a bolt would, it just threads the hooks in and tightens the chain. Right. And people, a lot of people love these because they have a little handle on them and they're, they're, they're like a, like a socket, like they ratchet, <laughs> And you just boop 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 boop, and you tighten them down. People love them personally. I, I'm I'm kind of old school, so I'm a, I'm a I'm a boomer bar and boomer guy. But the binders are they're they're handy. You like binders, right?
0: I use the binders. Okay. The, the boomers, you can't do it with just your hand. I, right.
1: You you have to have some a pipe for some leverage. To- yeah, yeah. So you have to put a pipe on the end of the boomer, so you have a big like a big lever, a lot of leverage, and you tighten them down. And they're they're a little I, more hazardous. I feel sure. like I have
0: too many times been the person that's been sent to go find, go find something to go, go find, find a bar, go find a bar to put over this. And so you're out scrounging through people, <laughs> junk piles, trying to find something. So, uh, yep. Yep. I prefer the,
1: what, what's it called? The binder. The, I call them binders. The binder. Ratchet binders. You just, yep. So, and those are great, but there's one moment where people don't care for those. It's after you get where you're going and you're going to let your equipment off. You, you, Reverse the ratchet, and you give it a few ratchets, and then it's loose enough to unhook the the chains, and then you drive off, go do your thing. But when it's time to reload the equipment, or you're on the next deal, uh, or you're putting your stuff away, you have to unscrew these binders so that your hooks will be all the way fully extended out again. And Let me just stop right here. Yep. I cannot... <laughs>
0: In any conceivable way think I'm the only person who does this trick to unwind it. (laughs) Okay. Okay, What's your And if you haven't figured this out, maybe you're gonna completely become a binder person. (laughs) So they're sucked in. Right. You just have your ratchet setting whatever way you hold it. You just you you spin it and it just you (laughs) for anyone not watching this, (laughs) This can be hard to explain. I'm demonstrating this, (laughs) but you you hold the two hooks on each end and you can start to just gonna make spin a the handle in a certain motion hands, yeah. and that handle will just spin right and it'll just pull those things out you can lengthen it to the whole length needs to be in five seconds maybe
1: pretty quick okay you've never seen that it's not quick enough it's not quick enough because mm. I'm about to introduce you to the Ratchet Master Gizmo Bop 3000 alright
0: You've seen someone do what I'm talking about because yeah. I can't. Okay. Yeah. Because you're acting like it no. just ends up being this disaster trying to unwind you know, it. You
1: can. The The catch with on the trucking, the semi side is that sometimes that bar's pretty long and it's pretty heavy and someone maybe not paying enough attention to the longer handles might uh, bop themselves right, between the hands yeah, possibly. Okay. But I do know what you're talking about and I agree and it gives you like a workout kind of you're doing this. So, and I'm not knocking this product This is not me trying to dog something. The invention works great for what it was intended for. And these guys came up with a very fast way to extend the hooks. Okay, So they came out with some kind of a contraption that basically latches on. You put it on over the top of the ratchet mechanism. And then out the side of it, it has a little gear drive. Then you go and you get a cordless drill. And you hook the cordless drill into the, the the device that you've attached to the ratchet and you pull the trigger and it goes crazy. And all of a sudden the hooks are, they're just out to the end. I mean, very quick, very, very quick. So, I mean, maybe not. It's, it's got to be the quickest way. So if you really want to get them out fast, you got to use this thing and get your cordless out and, or go spend some money on a cordless. What are you thinking right now? What, what what are all the thoughts going through your mind? Just amazement?
0: So you got to hook that piece onto it. Yeah. And then you got to hook the drill onto it. Mm-hmm. But once you start the drill, man, it's like, up awesome. I have to think that, well, I'm using them for the binders for... You know just my flatbed, uh-huh. so I guess I haven't seen ones with a much longer yeah handle. But if I'm thinking of that, the work involved to do what you're talking about versus the five seconds or less for me to just unwind mine myself, mm-hmm. I have to think it comes about out the same.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree, minus the cost of a cordless drill. <laughs> I agree. Here's my, here's my, here's my beef with it. This is what has me just calling <sighs> like the trucking industry is as far as physicality, it's, it's gotten stagnant and it's getting worse all the time. You just like, they like encourage sluggery where you just like a blob on the seat. Like they're like, Hey, our, come drive for us. Our trucks have automatic air switches that will unhook the latch on your trailer. You don't have to get out. You just flip the switch, pull out from the trailer. Go back on your next one, drop and hook and you don't even got to do nothing. You just, and I'm like, great. That's great. Cause that's what truckers need. They don't even need to get out anymore to pull their fifth wheel plate pin, whatever. They just, let's just make it even more easy. No touch freight. So in the flatbed world, it's like one of the last strongholds of some kind of physicality in the trucking world. And they just came out with a way to make even flatbedding more lazy, lazy, <laughs> lazy. Is that the word? Oh, uh, and so I'm just looking at it, I'm like, okay, so if you can't take the time to either manually do that or use the the bicycle trick, like, come on, man. Like, just go, <laughs> go get a van trailer and do no touch freight or something like, you know. Go drop and hook like, come on, uh, guys. And, th- and that's my beef with it. I'm like, yeah,
0: come on. I tell you what, I will say this, that is exactly in line with the advertisements for a lot of the type of tools you see on Instagram. <laughs> right? There's always, right. My favorite thing is to see the, uh, read the comments on those. Do you ever read the comments on the <laughs> oh, tools? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it almost is half of them are saying what a pile it is, piece of junk. And the other half are saying, "Go to this website. You can get it for
1: for $2 this, mu- this much cheaper." <laughs> right? <laughs> Those are what all the comments are. They shouldn't even allow comments. <laughs> they should shut the comments <laughs> off. Oh, some things are meant to be done by hand, like a splitting wood. I've got one of my guys, Cody. He will not use a log splitter. He just refuses. He's like, "Nope, splitting wood's meant to be done with an axe and a stump." That's how you split your wood. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of in my, my, it's in that same vein of thought that, you know, you can, oh, the strap. Here's the other one. And the flatbed world, they make automatic strap rollers. And people send them to me all the time. They'll send me a message like, look at this. And I'm like, if you can't roll your straps by hand, again, Go do some drop and hook stuff where you know I have to get out of your truck because <laughs> this should be something you look forward to. Like, my forearms are going to burn for 30 seconds today. That's only going to be for 30 seconds today, but I'm going to get a little bit of a burn, some kind of caloric burn in my trucking day today. And if anyone's ever wondered why Jackson's
0: nickname is Popeye, <laughs> there it is.